Hello, hello, hello. Good Monday morning, humans of the Twin Cities and of greater Minnesota and of the greater world. Hello, this is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio. I'm back. <laughs> Happy Monday to you. And I hope your Monday has started out well. You know, you get me on Monday mornings. I'm all energetic and, you know, and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And, and some of you are just like, you know what? Stop it, Ellie. And so I understand that. Welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio, where we talk about idealism and idealists. And we have a really, really great show for you. Uh, the big interview is with a woman named Susan Robertson, who identifies as a lesbian and who for several years has been working to make the uh, Presbyterian Church uh, more welcoming to LGBTQ people. And then you all know, you know I have a C block. That's the end of the show where I talk about my experience. And um, and I'll talk about as a trainer and speaker on human inclusivity. And I'm going to talk about a talk. How do you like that? Talk about a talk uh, that I gave a couple of weeks ago um, to a large gathering in St. Paul. But first, uh, let me talk about an idealist most of you likely have never, ever heard of. And there's a sadness about that, and I'll get to that in a bit. But her name is Carrie Ann Lucas. Um, She lived in Colorado, and I'm using past tense because um, she died in February at the age of 47. Much of what I'm going to relate to you is from an obituary that showed up on the February 27th New York Times obituary page. Now, before Carrie Ann Lucas went, uh, she blazed an idealistic trail that few idealists could ever hope to create. For starters, Carrie was a person with disability. She suffered from a rare form of muscular dystrophy that didn't show up until she was a teenager. The disease, uh, taking muscle strength from her, progressed to where she was walking with braces by age 17. By the time she was in her early 20s, she was confined to a wheelchair. Eventually, uh, the disease would progress to the point where she had greatly impaired hearing. Um, She had become legally blind and needed needed a ventilator uh, in order to uh, live a portable ventilator. None of that stopped her. (laughs) She ultimately graduated from uh, Whitworth University in Spokane. This is as the muscular dystrophy was taking hold. And then later she earned a master's divinity degree from Iliff School of Theology in uh, Colorado in Boulder, excuse me, in Denver. In between college and theology school, as she was being confined to a wheelchair, she went overseas to Saipan in the Marianas Marianas Islands to teach middle school science. She did that for two years. Um, As Carrie's health got worse, she had a choice to make. She could have simply focused on her needs, which of course would logically make sense, or she could have pivoted and attempted to do bigger things despite of or in spite of her disability. And this is when Carrie Ann Lucas truly became an idealist, or at least when her idealistic streak became self-evident. She began working for the Colorado Cross Disability Coalition, investigating and monitoring disability rights cases there. This is in in, uh, Denver. As she did that, she, as she was doing that, she found out um, that her stepbrother, who had a nine-year-old daughter who also had disabilities, was having difficulty caring for the daughter. At that point, Carrie was faced with a decision about whether she could help and step in uh, for the nine-year-old disabled daughter of her stepbrother. And she made the decision to adopt her nine-year-old niece. But then the Tennessee Child Protection System resisted Carrie's attempt at adoption, uh, claiming that she wasn't fit or able to parent because of Carrie's disability. However, after getting help from a court-appointed special advocate, uh, Carrie uh, succeeded in adopting her niece. Now, sometimes there are things that galvanize us idealists, sometimes things that help us focus on our mission for the world. And so what then Carrie then did was 
um, because of the difficulties she encountered as a person with disability attempting to adopt, she went to law school. In her early 30s, she enrolled at the Sturm College of Law at the University of, of Denver, and she graduated at age 35, 15th in her class. That is no small feat, folks. And again, may I remind you, at this point, she is confined to a wheelchair. She can, she's legally blind. She's having difficulty breathing. She needs a ventilator. She, can, she has difficulty hearing. I mean, th- this tells you a lot about this woman. And she then um, be founded and became the executive director of Disabled Parents' Rights and then served on the board of the Colorado um, ACLU, served on their board of directors. Eventually, she would ensure that Colorado law would not provide an impediment, would not create an impediment to people with disabilities who wanted to adopt. And she did that because eventually Carrie Ann Lucas adopted three other children with disabilities. So she had a total of four children with disabilities at the time of her death at age 47. Along the way of all of this, in 1999, she became the lead plaintiff in a lawsuit against Kmart, claiming that its stores violated the Americans with Disabilities Act, that it provided, that it violated the law because of impediments to usage to access in their stores. That lawsuit dragged on for seven years. Um, and did I, you know, you're getting the sense that Carrie Ann Lucas, um, Uh, really was persistent and um, not easily defeated. And in 2006, seven years after the lawsuit was filed against Kmart, Kmart agreed to pay $13 million in damages to um, shoppers with disabilities and agreed to make its 1,400 stores ADA compliant, something that cost Kmart $70 million because of an idealist, in a wheelchair. In 2017, Carrie Ann Lucas unsuccessfully ran for a seat on the Windsor City Council. Um, Windsor is a suburb of, of um, Denver. She, uh, she ran, but she was unsuccessful. And during uh, that same year, 2017, Carrie Ann Lucas, along with a number of other folks, was arrested um, at the Denver office of Colorado Senator Cory Gardner. They were part of a 50-hour sit, 58-hour sit-in, protesting the attempt to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Had the ADA been repealed, that would have meant Medicaid cuts, which would have made it impossible for persons with disabilities to live independently. Carrie's death is also symptomatic of what is wrong with our health care system. In early 2008, Carrie caught a cold. Um, ordinarily, this should have been manageable. Um, and according to her family and to uh, uh, Carrie's blog, Carrie's health insurer refused to provide authorization for a specific inhaled antibiotic that would have dealt with the cold successfully. As a result, Carrie was forced to take a lesser effective drug that caused an, adver- an adverse reaction and then set in motion a chain of events leading to eventually Carrie contracting sepsis and her dying. For over a year, she was in and out of the hospital while she struggled with this, what appears to be very unnecessary complication to an already complicated health picture. It's ironic that but for an insurance company trying to save $2,000 in costs, Carrie would be alive and the insurance company wouldn't have paid something to the tune of a million dollars because of Carrie's in and out hospitalizations for a year. After her death, Forbes magazine did a piece, quote, Carrie Ann, the title was Carrie Ann Lucas dies at age 47, period. You probably haven't heard of her and that's a problem. The point of the Forbes piece was that disability rights is not as sexy for society as LGBTQ rights or climate change. That happens to be one of the reasons why I'm talking about Carrie Ann Lucas on this show. Forbes went on to write, 
quote, Carrie Ann Lucas should be remembered and honored because of all the activism and changes she achieved despite societal and systemic discrimination that attempted to impede her every step of the way, period, unquote. After Carrie's death, members of the Colorado legislature held a moment of silence in Carrie's honor. State Senator Julie Gonzalez said this, quote, Carrie Ann Lucas is a testament to doing everything that you can with what you've got, unquote. Frankly, I think that's the best way to sum up, sum up the legacy of an incredible idealist. Carrie Ann Lucas, an idealist whom you now have heard of. Thank you, Carrie Ann Lucas, for having been you. Thank you for fighting for people who are invisible, for people who lack voices. And most of all, thank you for being persistent and being an incredible role model, even for those of us who do not deal with the challenges of disability. All right, listeners, that's why you listen to this show. That's why I'm here, to talk about what it means to really try and change the world. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at lhakrug at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners. When we come back, we'll do the big interview with Susan Robertson. You'll find it of great interest. Thanks. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. The U.S. has been fighting for 17 years in Afghanistan, 15 years in Iraq, and four years in Syria. And now the Trump administration is threatening war in Venezuela. As NATO will be starting its 2019 summit in Washington, a coalition of organizations will hold a mobilization to oppose NATO, war, and racism. American wars, with support from NATO allies, continue around the world. A new nuclear arms race is threatening, and U.S. military intervention is developing in Venezuela. Say no to NATO, U.S. wars, nuclear weapons, and racism with an anti-war protest on Saturday, March 30th at Lake Street and Minnehaha Avenue. Make your voice heard. Let's say no to wars, racism, and Islamophobia. Say no to the Muslim ban. And let's say yes to immigrants and funding for housing, education, and health care. Again, the anti-war protest is Saturday, March 30th at 1.30 at the corner of Lake Street and Minnehaha Avenue, initiated by the Minnesota Peace Action Coalition. Let's make our voices heard and stand up against war. I'm Rick Unger. You've heard the screamers. You've heard the shouters, the haters, the beraters. Well, now it's time to listen to a real conversation, a rational conversation. Now it's time for The Rick Unger Show. Listen to The Rick Unger Show every weekday from 5 to 7 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Stream at am950radio.com or search KTNF on the TuneIn app. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. I'm Candy Braffle, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. Back on LA 2.0 Radio. 
Hello, humans again. How are you? Um, I am thrilled now. We have for the big interview Susan Robertson, who is native to the Twin Cities and who is um, about to embark on a um, three-part series on how to welcome um, LGBTQ plus people um, at uh, Shepherd of the Hills in Chaska at Presbyterian Church. Susan Robertson, welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio. Thank you, Ellie. I'm really thrilled to have you here. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. So let's just uh, give the uh, audience just a little bit of a background. You grew up in Florida. You're a graduate of Drake University, where my daughter actually happened to graduate from. Actually, I grew up in St. Louis. Oh, in St. Louis. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. okay. All right. Well, there you go. First mistake. All right. Um, <laughs> And uh, you and I have some things in common because we were both uh, closeted for a very long time, mm -hmm. both married mm -hmm. for a long time. You were like 20 years, 20 years, and I was 32, um, wow. 22 married and 10 together. We were high school sweethearts. And then, um, as in my case, you found that you could no longer do that. And then you came out and identify as lesbian. Mm -hmm. Do I have that right? That's correct. Okay. And... Um, are now married, mm -hmm. obviously, to a woman. Right. Okay, and you have two, uh, two children. Adult children, yeah. Adult children together. Great. And you've always been very active in the Presbyterian Church. Yes. Right? Okay, all right. And in fact, um, right now you work as the operations assistant for More Light Presbyterians. That's right. All right, could you... Um, so, welcome, and I'm really thrilled that you're here. Tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about what More Light Presbyterians is. Um, More Light is a 501c3 that was um, formed 40 years ago ah. after a, um, a fairly significant incident within the Presbyterian Church. Um, Reverend David Sint, who was um, from Minneapolis, born and raised in Minneapolis, um, was attending the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church, which is their biannual meeting. And during one of the convocations, he stood up and held a sign that said, is anyone else out there gay? And that made... Pretty radical 40 years ago. Very radical. Yep. Yes, very radical. And so that made churches start thinking, you know, we need to be more open to gay people. And so um, an organization formed in 1976, I'm sorry, 1978, um, called Presbyterians for um, Lesbian and Gay Concerns, and then that morphed into More Light Presbyterians in 1999. And basically, um, they were struggling and fighting for the right for gay people to be ordained within the Presbyterian Church and to um, be married in the Presbyterian Church. Things that have now happened yes. with the Presbyterians. Yes. Of course, we're all aware of what's going on in the news about the Methodists, yep. right? Yep. And um, and how they are resistant uh, to uh, what's happening in the world socially. And and I've I've caught some of what that debate is all mm -hmm. about. Interestingly, I recently had a Methodist church out in Colorado reach out to me, Ellie Krug, asking me to come to their church because they've they have an affirming, welcoming policy that they've developed, and they want me to help and help them with inclusivity. Oh to, wow, that's great! A program around inclusivity. So, um, but you uh, you're you are Presbyterian, but you have. You have started going to Shepherd of the Hills in Chaska, right? Right. Where Pastor Dean is. Yep. It's a smaller congregation, uh -huh. about 50 people. Right. And um, and I take it it's not a Presbyterian denomination. It is Presbyterian. It is. Okay, sorry about that. All right. And and so he has, um, he has come to you and asked you to help make his church more welcoming to LGBTQ plus people. Is that right? right? That's correct. Okay. How, that, how did that come about? How did he know to do that? Well, we have, um, we have about 250 churches within the United States that are considered to be more light. Um, okay. And those are the churches who have affirmed that they want to be more welcoming of um, queer people and um, they have 
had discussions within their congregations in session and have voted to become a more light church. Okay. Oh. All right. And you just used the phrase queer people, and I just want to make sure. I am. I love that phrase. I love queer. Okay. You used it. Um, but I also want to make sure that listeners know some are maybe li- older and they may be thinking, oh, my goodness, why is that phrase being yep. used? Um, and there may be some older LGBTQ people who object to that phrase. Let's just make sure that we agree, and we can continue to use it, but let's just make sure that we agree that that it is a, it is a positive phrase today. Yes. You and I yes. are using it in a positive sense. And um, people who are not LGBTQ, it does not give you license to start calling people queer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay? It, it doesn't. Um, but it's a good umbrella Yes. If if you are within the community and you're talking about the community, right? Right. Okay. All right. Just so we have that down. So you're going to put together a how to welcome series on you know queer people, right? Uh, for Shepherd of the Hills, how are you going to do that? Well, we have a. Um two-part series on our website that our executive director, Alex McNeil, and our communications manager, Jess Cook. This is through More Light? Through MLP, yep. Okay, More Light Presbyterian. Yep. They have put together a two-part video series called Connecting the Dots. Ah. And so they kind of go through a step-by-step process of how a church can talk about being welcoming. Um, They talk about pronouns, um, they talk about um, how people, what people's journeys have been, and um, they talk about sexuality and gender. And they start with breaking it all down and making it simple, understanding the terms, so that everybody kind of has the building blocks and then go up from there. Just like what we just did about the phrase queer. Yes, exactly. So you're gonna you're gonna pivot off of that series, right? Or, or you're gonna incorporate that yes. into what you're gonna do in Chaska. Right, all exactly. Right. So um we're going to have to take a break in a second, but I know people are going to be wondering, when is this three-part series at Shepherd of the Hills going to take place? It starts this Sunday, March 17th. March 17th. From oh. 9.15 to 10.15. All right. So, uh, listeners on Facebook Live, hey, how are you? Um, you're hearing this before March 17th, okay? This show is going to air on actually March 18th to the wider world. Right. All right? So if they missed it on March 17th, yep. when will the next two days be? Um, it's the third Sunday in April and the third Sunday in May. And if people want to find more about the series, they can go to Shepherd of the Hills website. Website, yep. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. I'm glad that we got that out there. And what is the Shepherd of the Hills website? It is... Um, Shepherd of the Hills in Chaska. Just Google it. (laughs) Chaskachurch.org. There you go. I'm still new there. That was was Hunter, our producer. Hunter always coming in at the right time. Um, But, okay, great, great. So um, when we come back from our break, uh, I want to talk more about you. Okay. Okay. Remember, this is a show about idealism. Sure. Listeners, we've been talking to Susan Robertson, uh, who is with More Light Presbyterians, uh, and about her embarking on a series of welcoming LGBTQ people at Shepherd of the Hills in Chaska. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. I love hearing from you, so email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. And when we come back, we'll finish our conversation with Susan Robertson, human and idealist. Thanks. Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. March is Auto Show Month at Rudy Luther. This means throughout the month, they'll have great auto show deals on all new Toyotas. My first Toyota love was the RAV4, and it's completely redesigned for 2019, and the new RAV4 Hybrid will be here soon. Remember, buy a new Toyota and get a $250 gift card, trade in a vehicle on a new Toyota, and get another $250 gift card. That means a total of $500 in savings. Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley, and online at RudyLutherToyota.com. Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. (sighs) And we're fireflies. Yeah, we 
Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before, and we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuchke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Moe's Tax Service, family-owned and operated since 1971, providing a full spectrum of tax preparation and associated services. Think about it. Why would you take your most important financial information to a franchise operation with a cheap basic package that goes up dramatically once you're in the door? You can find out all you need to know about Moe's by visiting www.moestax.com. That's M-O-H-S tax.com. Or call them at 612-721-2026. Don't be a blockhead. Go to the professionals at Moe's Tax Service. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today is sunny with a high near 42. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 27. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 51. Wednesday, partly sunny with a high near 62. And Thursday, rain with a high near 57. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Victor's 1959 Cafe. Come try an authentic Cuban pork barbecue sandwich at 3756 Grand Avenue in South Minneapolis. More details at eatlocalminnesota.com. Ellie 2.0 Radio. Actually, I could listen to that music all day. But anyway, we're back <laughs> and speaking with Susan Robertson, uh, who is um, from More Light Presbyterians. And she's been talking about how uh, she'll be starting off a three-part series on how to welcome LGBTQ people to Shepherd of the, at Shepherd of the Hills Presbyterian Church in Chaska. Um, if you're not catching this on Facebook Live, you will have missed the first series that took place yesterday. Um, but but um, there are going to be another two of those that will occur the third Sunday of each of April and of May. So, Susan, I got that right. Is yes. that correct? Yep. So, Susan, I want to talk about um, what makes you an idealist, okay? Okay. And, um, and I always ask people, how did you get here, okay? Mm -hmm. And we, um, off the air, talked and, and I confirmed a hunch that I had that you're more of an introvert than you're an extrovert, right? right? So um, this is kind of extraordinary that an introvert would take on the task of leading a conversation, okay, of being in the front of rooms and of pushing people to think a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and by the way, you and I share in common. No one ever guesses, but I'm actually more of an introvert than I'm an extrovert. I really am. Uh, but nobody ever guesses, you know, and when we're done with this, I'm going to go stand in front of several hundred people to give a talk. And <laughs> people are going to be like, you're a total extrovert. Yep. So what made you <clears throat> idealistic? Okay, and and maybe uh, talk a little bit about your family or what whatever okay. it is that the roots that you came from and maybe what you had to overcome. Okay, um, so my family of origin um, was not a um, they were not open to um, 
a lot of differences. Um, they uh, did not accept people who were different. Um, what what decades are you growing up? If I, can I was I was born in '58. Okay, all right. So you're growing up in the '60s and yep. '70s. Yep. Okay. And um, I had a grandfather and an uncle who were very progressive. And um, as a child, I knew that I was different than my family of origin. Um, I knew that when they would say certain things or use certain phrases or names that it made me feel very uncomfortable, um, but didn't really necessarily know why. And um, grew up very traditionally, you know, where I was expected to go to college, get married, have children, which I did. Um, and then when I was 43, realized that um, I was gay. And unlike a lot of people, I never had the idea when I was younger because I knew that that wasn't even an idea in my right. family. It not couldn't a, be an idea. Not a possibility. Right, yep. right. Yep. And so um, when I came out at 43... I um, essentially lost my entire family of origin. Um, my uncle was still alive at the time and was very supportive, my aunt and uncle. Um, and um, so I got involved in a church. My wife, or not wife at the time, but my wife and I got involved in a church that led me to a variety of nonprofits that were within the Presbyterian Church. And um, through that work, I realized that I had a voice, which I had never had as a child or as a young adult or as a married person or a mother. And um, it became evident that I wanted to use that voice. And so it was um, figuring out how to use that voice and... Um, And just try to impact other people and make the world a better place, really. Okay. Um, That's idealism, you know. Yeah. I just, I want to do work that is good for the world and that helps people. And I've always wanted to do that. And so <laughs> it's, it's almost like a dream come true. Um, I've been active with these various... Um, nonprofits and mostly with More Light Presbyterians, but also with the Shower of Stools Project and the Witherspoon Society, which is now Presbyterian Voices for Justice. And, um, you know, the people are just, they're all idealistic humans. Yep. And they're wonderful, wonderful folks. Um, and they're all trying to do good work. And it just, it, it warms my heart when I'm with those kinds of people and um, seeing how they're trying to change the world. Well, and so um, part of what I'm hearing, and you and I have a lot in common, as I said at the beginning of the show, and part of what I'm hearing is that you found your authenticity. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you said that um, uh, something along the lines that it was always there, but now you, you've once you started to live authentically as you, it gave yourself permission yes. to, to really find that, to allow that voice that was inside right. of you about wanting to make the world a better place to right. give that voice um, um, its place. Yes? Yep. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I talk a great deal about me. I, um, you're a couple of years uh, younger than me. Um, and I don't know uh, how, was, how much attention you were paying, but I grew up um, in the 60s and uh, the 70s as well. <clears throat> I was 11 when Dr. King and mm -hmm. Robert F. Kennedy were killed. Yep. And I, I had been reading the newspaper probably by, from age 7 on. Wow. And so I was um, aware of what they were saying, mm -hmm. aware of, of what their words were and what they were trying to do. And there was a spark inside of me um, ignited, uh, because of their words. Yeah. Like you, I grew up in a very bigoted family. 
Um, although I had a father, uh, my father had a lot of issues, but one of the things that he did do is that he was, I never heard him ever say anything uh, about somebody based on the color of their skin or the religion they practiced. And he was very good at bringing people to our house for Sunday dinner. We believed in a Sunday dinner thing, um, you know, people of colors other than white, people of religions other than what we mm -hmm. were. And so, so, the, so we have some similarities. So what, what do you see in terms of um, the Presbyterian Church's ability to reach out to LGBTQ people? Do you think that it's being successful at doing that? Um, I do think it's being successful. I think that um, we met um, at, in General Assembly um, in the summer of 2018, was our last meeting, and um, there was a group that formed out of the Presbyterian Church when marriage and ordination were passed, and it's called the Echo Group or something like that. And they were basically a lot of the tall steeple church, churches that made the decision that when marriage and ordination passed, they didn't want to be part of that anymore. And so they have kind of gone off and formed their own group. And so those of us that are left are probably, you know, mid to more progressive um, congregations. And so we're seeing a huge uptick in the number of congregations that want to become more light. Okay. Um, that want to be more welcoming. And is that taking away from, are some of those, you called them tall steeple uh, churches that, you know, refuse to be progressive in that way? Are you seeing some of them changing their minds? No. 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 Okay. There, no. Are their numbers increasing or, uh, you know, those churches, are there becoming more of those churches? I don't believe so, okay. but I can't really say. I guess I don't know okay. the numbers exactly. Are they still considered part of the Presbyterian yes. Church? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so the Presbyterian Church has some division. Yes. Okay. Definitely. So when we when we get together now for General Assembly, the majority of the churches that attend or the staff of those churches that attend are generally the more mid to more liberal um, churches. Um, so we find that it's a much more welcoming environment. Uh, we have a booth every year for, or when we have General Assembly, and we have our pronoun buttons out and our posters, and we used to have rainbow scarves. We would all knit rainbow scarves. And so before marriage passed, you would see this almost the sea of people in the middle of the summer in whatever city we were meeting in wearing handmade rainbow scarves. And when we would give those out to people, we would bless those scarves and, um, and talk to people about taking this message out to other people and other churches and others in their congregation. And, um, and so I think that um, I got a little off track there, Ellie. That's I'm okay. sorry. No problem. Um, so I think that the um, the environment around our biannual meetings is much more loose and open. Um, this last time in uh, 2018, we had a um, a young adult come out in front of in a in a plenary meeting where they just stood up in front of their parents and a ton of room full of strangers and said i'm gay and you saw this group of people come up and encircle that person and lay their hands on them and hug them and let them know that it's okay that would have never happened even five years ago okay um we did a march through the streets of st louis um protesting um uh, the bail, the, um, oh, I've just lost my words. Um, they were, they charged so much, the, they, they put people in prisons in, in the county workhouse, I'm sorry. Um, and of course, it's mostly people of color. And they hold them there because they can't post bail. Right. And so the Presbyterian church or the churches that were there gathered together and raised, um, I'm not sure of the exact amount, fifty, sixty thousand dollars to put towards the cash bail program okay. in St. Louis to get oh. people back out yeah. of the workhouses and back into the workforce and with their families sure. again. So uh, disparities in the in the criminal justice yes. system, of course. Right. Okay. 
Well, you know, I um, we have just about um, th uh, 40 seconds left, but I just wanted to let you know that, that uh, first of all, you go do it. You go, woman. Okay? And, Thank you. You know, I really um, believe in what your work is, and I just want you to also know that um, I'm here if you need any help. Thank okay? you. All right? I Not appreciate that. Trying to push myself yeah. on you. No, I appreciate it, Ellie. So, but us idealists, we have to stick together. Yes, we do. You know, and I would urge you to use that word, idealism. Use that phrase, idealist to describe yourself, to describe your work, because we need to get that word back into our vocabulary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So welcome, and thank, thank you. you for being on Ellie 2.0 Radio, Susan Robertson, and I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you, Ellie. All right. All right, listeners, we've been talking with Susan Robertson, who is with um, Man Light Presbyterians, uh, excuse me, More Light Presbyterians, and she'll be doing a training series on welcoming queer folk at the Shepherd of the Hills in Chaska. If you like what you hear on my webs on my uh, show here, please visit my website at elliekrug.com. And um, I'll be back to do the C block um, when we come back after our break. Thanks so very much. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Get out of the cold at Burger Moe's. Burger Monday Madness happens every Monday after 4 p.m., except on Excel event evenings, where you can order any burger with fries on the menu for just $6. Burger Moe's always offers fresh, never-frozen burger varieties, as well as delicious appetizers, soups, salads, and unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, desserts, two daily happy hours, and 60 beers on tap. Located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul with plenty of free parking and online at BurgerMoe's.com. Hi, this is Matt, owner of Green Home Doctors. Approximately 80% of the homes in Minnesota are not sealed and insulated properly. A typical home has air leakage equal to a large open window. You shouldn't need a space heater and extra blankets to feel comfortable. If you do, that's a sign that your home is not properly insulated. Take advantage of the rebates and great incentives from CenterPoint and Excel Energy before it's too late. To learn more about the savings, visit GreenHomeDR.com. It's March, there's basketball, but the real madness is putting up with dirty, nasty carpeting. Time to call in your cleaning heroes at Zero Res. Get three rooms of carpeting cleaned for just $129. Call 9520Res. That's 9520Res. Or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com. That's ZeroResMinnesota.com. Don't forget to ask for the AM950 special. Zero Res. Spell it backward or forward. It spells the same. Zero Res. And we're back on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Oh, Susan Robertson, my goodness. You know, just somebody who has a moment of truth in life, who decides, you know what, I'm going to live authentically. And then what? look at where it leads to. 
And so I just um, I, I applaud her for her work and for her efforts with the Presbyterian Church. Um, if you can go out to uh, her church in the church in Chaska and um, go to the go to the training on uh, how to be more welcoming to LGBTQ people, by all means, please do that. As she talked about. All right, this is my C block where I talk about being an idealist, what work I'm trying to do in the world to try and make the world a better place. Many of you know that I speak and train across North America. And by the way, I want to put a shout out to listeners who attended my very recent uh, public gray area thinking training uh, that we held on March 16th. Thank you for coming. This is actually the first time I'm taping since we had that public training and just we had some listeners there. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. What I want to talk about now is a keynote that I gave the week before last. It was at the River Center in St. Paul. My God, just a huge, huge place if you've ever been in there. And they have a huge ballroom. And so I spoke to 900 people. It was a conference for the transportation industry professionals in Minnesota. So a lot of engineers, a lot of regulatory folks in the room. And as I stood and uh, began my talk and looked out at the room... I saw a a lot of white-color people, um, and mostly male. Now, my talk was titled, Bridging Divides, Perspectives on Fear, Grit, Resiliency, and the Four Commonalities. And in that talk, that is a talk where I share about what I'm finding across North America. I I told the audience members, I am like the canary in the coal mine. Although I'm, I'm I'm the contra canary because... Um, you know, the story about the canary in the coal mine, of course, is that it's the first to die because it's, you know, detecting, um, you know, carbon monoxide. And um, uh, but what I'm finding in terms of a canary going across North America is that actually our country is far healthier than most people believe that most people that we are far more interested in caring about each other than what you'd ever guess by looking on the news or listening to surveys or any of that stuff and so my talk bridging divides is about first of all talking about the internal divisions like how many of us beat ourselves up every day thinking that we're not good enough or that we're failures i am finding that as well as i do my work across north america but Bridging Divides, that talk is not only about internal divides, how we're fighting ourselves. And, and why is that important? It's important because if you are if you're hating yourself or you are, are beating yourself up, it's really hard to have – if you can't have compassion for yourself, it's very hard to have compassion for other humans. There is a reason why this is very important. So, that we, so the talk's in part about internal divides, but the other part of the talk is about our external divides, about how we group and label other humans. And how we as humans so readily create other, so readily point to people who are different and make them other away from us. That we want to, we want to exclude them. We want to castigate them in many cases. But in that talk, I made a, I made a point of how actually almost anyone can be made other. I have a saying that I could bring in a, 20, a dozen 40-year-old dudes, blonde-haired dudes, the last name of Anderson, stand him up behind me. We could make each one of them other if we tried. Oh, look at how tall he is. He's so short. And look at that one over there. He's kind of frumpy. We could do that because we do do that. And so I wanted to prove to the audience that actually anybody can be made other. So I did this. I, first of all, said, bear with me and take some risks here and be vulnerable and then i started to do shout outs and i first shouted out to the people of color other than white color who've been made to feel other i asked would they please stand and then i said people who are lgbtq or who have lgbtq family members or friends where either the person attending or their family member has been made to feel other please stand and then I said, people of, who have been made other because of their gender, please stand. I then asked people with visible or invisible, invisible disabilities who have been made other because of their disability, please stand. And as I'm doing this, you are seeing more and more people out of 900 standing. And I went on. 
People because of their religion who have been made to feel other. Please stand. People because of wearing a uniform has been made to feel other. Please stand. People because of their political party have been made to feel other. Please stand. By the time I was done going through the list, I would estimate that 85 to 90% of the room was standing. And I said, look around. Look at all of your colleagues and people in this room who, like you, have been made other. And then I said, you know what? There is no such thing as other. There is only a such thing as us. Because all of us are standing. So, the point of me telling you about the story, other than giving you an idea of how it works, was that um, I really, as I'm doing this, I didn't know how I was connecting with the audience. I mean, it's 900 people. I'm up on a stage. It's one of those things. I mean, this is like, you know, television screens, you know, because it's such a big crowd. I'm being televised to the crowd and big screens. And I could not see reactions from the audience. Usually I can tell by faces or body posture, um, whether I'm connecting. I just couldn't do it with this crowd. And when I was done, I received polite, polite applause, but I walked off the stage wondering if I had screwed up and emphasized the wrong things. But since then, I've gotten, some, I, I've gotten emails from attendees, all of them mail, by the way, saying they appreciated my talk. My favorite came from a government employee who wrote that he was all prepared to give me a standing ovation but wasn't willing to initiate it. Still, he wrote, uh, quote, just know that in my head I was standing, unquote. That so made me smile when I read that. And it was good enough for me to know that I had just simply reached just one person. That would have been okay. Just like Carrie Ann Lucas and Susan Robertson, idealists just slog on. We hang in and we push and we push. And that's what I will do. All right. Well, that's another show, listeners. Um, I need to do a big thanks to our sponsor, Brending Electrolysis out in St. Paul. Contact Bev. Let her know that I recommended uh, her. She does incredibly great work. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, you rock. You are just phenomenal. I love you. And to you, my listeners, I hear from you with some frequency. I love hearing from you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please tell others about this show. You know it's on podcast. You can get it on Apple iTunes and all this other stuff where there are podcasts. And please share about it. And I'll be back next week talking more about idealism and about the need for all of us to work to change the world for the better. Until then, be well, my friends. <laughs>